Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. In this part of the episode, we discuss blackity black black news and world issues. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Drip, a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution. Stay tuned as we analyze Canadian news and Black issues on a weekly basis. And if you like what you hear, subscribe. On this week's episode, we discuss some of the top headlines from the week of June 6th, including... Islamophobia rearing its ugly head in London. Scarborough getting its bridal town community hub. And Trudeau committing 100 million vaccines to low-income countries with other world leaders. The Red Deer Residential School comes out with more devastating news. The G7 is pushing back on China. Goodbye, hopefully, to Netanyahu. And plenty more. Moving on to blackity black black news. Colleen Russell Rollins has been appointed the Director of Education for the TDSB. Yes, indeed. Coming from a long-standing career at the Peel District School Board, Colleen has stated publicly that in her role at the TDSB, she'll be focused on eradicating systemic racism and oppression. Colleen is one of our great Black hopes right now. She is the first Black... Why are you dying? (laughs) The great Black hope. Keep it alive. Colleen is the first Black woman to be elected to hold the position of Director of Education. Colleen is joining Curtis Ennis, who was elected as the new Director of Education of the Halton District School Board. So we have some some good companies, some some Black folks leading the, the way when it comes to uh, large school boards in the province of Ontario. Really great thing to see. In Colleen's official statement, she shared that, quote, Throughout my career, equity was my foundation for improving student engagement, well-being, and achievement. I welcome the opportunity to continue to work with trustees, students, families, and dedicated staff to ignite learning and innovation and focus on the success of students who are currently underserved. The appointment of Ms. Russell Rollins brings to a close an extensive year-long recruitment process that included stakeholder consultation on the job criteria and the desired experience and background that helped inform the candidate profile. So this is not just one, two mans or the, the, the 12 trustees picking out a person, right? This mm-hmm. was basically everyone in terms of level and area of that board. The candidate profile included staff, trustees, union and federation leaders, as well as chairs of community advisory committees, chairs mm-hmm. of the special education advisory committee, and chairs of the Parent Involvement Advisory Committee. It's a lot of people. Right, right. Thoughts on Colleen getting the big role at the TDSB? Very happy that 
Colleen, a black woman, is taking over from a black woman, Carleen Alexander, who was the former interim director of education for the TDSB from July 2020 to October 2020. It looks like they saw how well a black woman can run such an intricate organization. Come on. And they wanted more. Yeah, yeah. So full congrats to you, Colleen. Moving on to an, another follow-up story. I, I, I've been reading a lot about, about Chem Loops and, and what has been happening as a result of the, the, the findings at the Chem Loops Indigenous Residential School. And I came across a story about the Red Deer Residential School. Mm. So before the discovery of the remains of the 215 children in Cam Loops, a team was already working to identify burial sites at 25 residential schools in Alberta, including the Red Deer Residential School, a school that has been well known as having the highest mortality rate in Canada. Wow. Do you want to do you want to guess what the mortality rate was at Red Deer Residential School? Uh, fifteen percent. Twenty percent of students who attended that school died at that school, Curtis. I was hoping I gave you a high number. Damn, twenty. It that means one in five. Like that's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Brian Saint Germain, who was also a part of the Remembering the Children's Society, said he was horrified to learn about the conditions of Red Deer's residential school, which is ultimately why it closed down. At least they had the decency to close it down. Uh, that particular school was open for a much shorter time than Cam Loops, open for just over 25 years from 1893 to 1919. Four graves at the school were found off of the property and belong to children who died during the Spanish influenza pandemic in 1918, and 19 graves were found at the school cemetery. They continued to search for um, the, the graves of the other students, but so far, 23 graves have been found at the Red Deer Residential School. Moving on to news from the world. Canada will donate 100 million doses of COVID-19 vaccines to low-income countries through financial support and by foregoing future deliveries as our contribution to the COVAX fund. The fund, you'll remember, is co-led by the WHO and is working to make sure vaccines are distributed equitably. So what does our contribution actually look like? It's part of a pledge by G7 leaders to supply at least 1 billion doses to other countries. It'll come mostly from the $545 million that Ottawa has already pledged to COVAX for buying the doses, and some of that money will also go toward vaccine distribution. Canada will also meet its share by rerouting future deliveries of vaccines like what the UK plans to do. So for example, Canada ordered 52 million doses of the Novavax vaccine, but it still hasn't been approved by Health Canada, right? So those doses could be sent to COVAX and could be used as a result. Canada has plenty of vaccines to share, too. Procurement Minister Anita Anand, we got to shout her out by name, ordered 252.9 million doses, which is enough to vaccinate every Canadian times three. And according to the Globe's vaccine tracking, the government is on track to give two doses to all eligible Canadians by August. Still, stakeholders say it ain't enough, man. While the G7 commitment has been welcomed by the WHO and some international development organizations, many others, 
say it falls far short of what's needed. Anna Marriott, which is Oxfam's health policy manager, says, quote, the best G7 leaders can manage is to donate 1 billion vaccine doses. Then this summit will have been a failure. Oh, wow. She and others have pointed out that it will take 11 billion doses to vaccinate everyone. Several organizations have also called on the G7 to waive patent protection rules for vaccines and commit to sharing technology to boost manufacturing. Now, here's the thing. Why hasn't that been done yet? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The U.S. is about it. France is about it. Canada and other G7 countries aren't, saying that the bigger problems are export rules and the transfer of technology. Um... That's why you can't waive the patent protection? It's bullshit. Like, okay. It's bullshit. That doesn't make a lot of... Like, I can't actually understand. Okay. Various African countries have accused wealthy countries like ours of imposing vaccine apartheid by blocking the waiver. Yep. Uh, this is from Nanjala Nyabola, who is a Kenyan political analyst and scholar saying we asked for justice and countries like Canada are giving us charity. Yeah. A former Canadian senior minister and now high commissioner to the UK, Ralph Goodale, says, quote, more will be required going forward, but this is a starting point, end quote. Thoughts? I don't know if you want to have more thoughts on charity from Western nations, patients, or if you want to start your piece. Yeah, I think Nyabola said it really, really well. Like, this is not about charity. This is not about um, food, you know? Like, like if we're going to compare it to anything, compare it to food. Like, usually Western countries, you know, will ship bags of rice and drop it off at some, you know, refugee camp. And, and that's how they do their part. Hmm. This global pandemic is not something that, that can be contained the way that hunger can be contained within a refugee camp or the way that hunger can be contained within borders, right? right? This requires a just response because we recognize that we don't really know where this came from. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knows where COVID came from and when it could come back and people are going to continue to travel. I think travel will perhaps even accelerate. And if we want to make sure that that we don't fall into the 16-month lockdown that we just came out of, then we need to to do justice to this approach to vaccines and not do it in a, in a charitable fashion. I totally agree with that. Couldn't agree more. One of the things that was clear to me is the fact that there's a lot of talk about doing the right thing from certain people and certain leaders. Uh, and there's a gap between talk and action. And I'm just, I'm just done with the, the gap. Yeah, facts. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Speaking of the gap... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, curbing China's belt and road strategy was key to G7 discussions this past week. So the Belt and Road Initiative is the name given to the Chinese government's financing of the construction of key infrastructure projects, ports, railways, airfields, in strategic locations around the world with the intention of extending influence. So the idea is that China will invest in a railway in Nigeria, an airfield in Ghana, all these different projects. A bauxite mine in Jamaica. There you go. So that eventually when they need to call in a favor, they can do so, uh, first of all, because they have boots on the ground. And second of all, because they have uh, been financing uh, things that are key to the to the development of that country. I also wanted to just say for clarification, uh, it's not just the expectation that you do something for me, I do something for you, because in many cases they're um, investing in infrastructure that the the host countries will probably never be able to pay for. Yes, exactly. With the expectation that China will just take it over and use it for their own needs for however they see fit. Exactly. Exactly. And and honestly, like like Curtis and you and I, we, we talk about this a lot. But this ain't new. Like hey. this is, this, China just stole the strategy from the G seven. <laughs> like, I mean, it's true. It's facts. It's like facts. You, like you, they've been doing this, but of course, the U.S. is now advocating for a G seven initiative that will foil the Belt and Road Initiative called mm-hmm. the quote Build Back Better for the World. A global infrastructure plan where the world's leading democracies, a.k.a. the G7, would offer an alternative to the Chinese plan. So in any case where the, the Chinese are offering um, a, a highway or a – what did you say is happening in Jamaica? So uh, that was a maybe a fictitious example, but highways in Jamaica are built by, by, by Chinese for sure. Yeah, so highways uh, in Nigeria. We our our capital just got a new wing of our airport from the, from the Chinese. So all of these things are happening. So when they're presented to these countries by the Chinese, the G seven or a couple or one country from the G seven will present an alternate plan from one of their countries. Mm-hmm. This is not a light thing. Nope. The World Bank estimates that there is a cumulative need for $40 trillion of new and renewed infrastructure in the developing world from now through to 2035. And an expert on China at the University of Alberta says G7 countries are walking a fine line because Beijing is not playing with you. They have shown no hesitation about pushing back when its interests are threatened. They give no fucks. No fucks given. So we could be entering into Cold War territory where um, developing countries will have to pick a side when they're, they're, they're developing their airports and their highways and their 
minds and stuff like that. So that that's something that will certainly affect all of us, particularly those of us who are first and second generation immigrants. Yeah. And I, you know, this, this story underscores um, what I think I've spoken about on this podcast before, um, which is that, uh, you know, for example, there, there's the fact that China is currently detaining two, two Canadian citizens. And uh, the fact that China has, uh, is committing genocide against the Uyghurs and other, whatever other issues are coming out of China for which people, to be frank, ignorantly say, why don't we just, you know, do something about China? Mm-hmm. They are literally the new Cold War nemesis of the world. Yep. So we're talking about, we're going to have years of conflict or at least covert conflict yeah. between two of the most powerful countries in the world. This ain't no plating, yeah. as I think you've already said, Patience. Yeah. This is not a plating. Yeah, no, I think, I, I, if, I, if I can pick it up where you just left it off, I think that even if you look at COVID coverage, uh, and COVID coverage during the time of Trump in particular, that, that a lot of that, that, that um, you know, China is our nemesis stuff, comes is it seeps through that news right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i don't know if, if you even like look at netflix and watch some of these documentaries it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of you know china is is huge china is the production giant of the world and and in no way shape or form are we anti-chinese and I, i'm not a fan of colonization of any form Mm-hmm. Okay, Curtis, and I don't think you are either. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not a b- really big fan of the fact that China is is trying to, you know, do this neo-colonization, the second mm-hmm. run of colonization. And that's my particular stance on this. But I, I also haven't forgiven the G7 countries and most of the West for colonizing um, most of the, 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 the rest of the world exactly. for as long as they did. So, yes. Um, yeah. Yes. And I like it's, it's I'm very happy you you kind of put it the way you did because... You know, what what you hear, just to kind of look at it from a political standpoint, once again, what you hear from in Canada, what from, from the Conservative Party and from the Republican Party in the US is China bad, China bad, China bad. But they don't also highlight like the fact that China's doing what we did. Yeah. <laughs> like legit. What's, China isn't doing anything morally Yeah, exactly. I think morally it's bad though. But yeah, yeah like, right? it's not it's yeah. not over and above the bad that Americans been doing. Yeah. Look at how they, look at look how like the Americans devastated Cuba. Look at how yeah. they like, there's so many examples of what the yeah. Americans have done. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, don't do that. Miss me with the fucking the grand stories that honestly in reality like miss me with that. Get out of here. According to Al Jazeera, the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's 12-year hold on power is set to end on Sunday when the parliament votes on a new government, ushering in an administration that has pledged to heal a nation bitterly divided over the departure of the country's longest-serving leader. This is the part where it gets kind of exciting for for me, Curtis. The new cabinet is going to be made up of an eight-party coalition. Eight parties? I mean, yeah, but look who makes up the coalition, fam. Yeah, to be clear, um, Yair put the coalition together, but Natalie's going to be the prime minister for two years. So Bennett and Lapid will head a government that brings together parties from across the political spectrum, including for the first time 
one that represents the 21% minority comprising Palestinian citizens of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now that will be, I think, really, really, really interesting. But I've, I, I want to, I want to engage you, Curtis, on, on like, in, in a nerd way. Yeah, no, this is how, exciting. How did this, <laughs> this is absolutely outstanding, and and yes. I mean that in like when you think about politics, you think about power and an eight party coalition sharing eight parties sharing power. Man. That's what it's supposed to be. I mean, yeah, but does it, like, how often does it work? It works all the time. It works in Europe. It's worked forever. It's- I spent some time in Switzerland last, or two years ago now, um, and Switzerland, it definitely works. But yeah, like, where, like, it doesn't work here. That's for sure. No, no, it's, it's, it's not parties. that it doesn't work. It's that we haven't put it in place. Fair, fair. We, we don't and even we have eight parties. To- like, we can't even, we, we can't even support eight national parties you know what i mean like we always kind of you know i think right now we have six and then eventually it goes down to like really four three or four and but then that's, that's a reflection of the fact that we have first passed the post if we didn't have that there'd be a lot more parties and there actually are more parties they just aren't mainstream yeah they aren't national yeah yeah but i think to your point though you know coalitions that they they obviously have value. They work, and, and in fact, we should have coalitions. I, I'm a I'm a fan of coalitions. Of course, yeah, yeah. Cooperation is 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 to the benefit of the voter. Of course, but they don't always work. Right. Uh, case in point is the fact that Netanyahu was prime minister for twelve years because this coalition that finally happened, it was just not possible before. Like they nobody could get along. Right. And so he was just able to sneak up the middle for 12 fucking years right. and stay in power. So it's not, it's not always the silver bullet, but it's the best way to have representative government. I'm really, I for one, I'm really excited about seeing Netanyahu leave. And I think it's, it's a huge opportunity for some change to happen. I'm not going to oversell what is possible there, but. I'm I'm excited to see what, what what will happen given this. We should probably put a bit more weight on the fact that yeah, it's really good that the Palestinian party that that's part of that coalition. Right. It's very good that they're there. We don't Absolutely. know how much party they're going to have, but it's very good that they're there. Jump into questions for the audience. On Thursday, June 10th in Ontario, after the London terror attack, the opposition liberals brought forth a motion to condemn Islamophobia. Doug Ford's PCs voted against it. MPP Mitzi Hunter, immediately after the attack, then brought forth another motion to condemn all forms of Islamophobia and to reaffirm support for the anti-racism directorate on Saturday, June 12th, which the Ford government finally voted in favor of. So why do you think Doug Ford's conservatives still didn't know how to respond and show support to the Muslim community. And what do you think changed their minds? You just listened to episode 62 of The Drip. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We're releasing pods on a weekly basis, so subscribe to stay up to date. You can also keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at The Drip T.O. You know, we love our many non-BIPOC listeners, but a message specifically to our Black listeners 
We hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Be On Location for the sounds you're hearing now. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. See y'all next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.